Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and you're listening to Reset. Traffic-related deaths are climbing, and they don't show any sign of stopping. A new report from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration showed traffic deaths in the first quarter of this year were at a 20-year high. And in Illinois, they were up 24 percent from the same time last year. Joining us to discuss road safety in Chicago is Alderman Matt Martin of the 47th Ward, which includes parts of Uptown, Ravenswood, Lincoln Square, and North Center. He recently wrote a column for the Chicago Sun-Times with the title, What Illinois Needs to Do to Help Communities Improve Pedestrian and Cycling Safety. Also with us is Courtney Cobbs, a co-founder of the grassroots organization Better Streets Chicago. Courtney, why did you get involved in advocacy for road safety? Honestly, it's a lot. It's driven by self-preservation. I want to feel safe on the road, and I want more people to feel safe. Chicagoans shouldn't have to feel brave to hop on a bike and travel through the city or in their own neighborhoods, for that matter. Yeah. How would you describe the state of road safety in your ward and in Chicago right now, Alderman? I would say it's getting worse uh, across my ward and across our city. Um, Just over the last several months, we've had a two-year-old, a three-year-old, both hit and killed by cars, a 75-year-old hit. And that's just in my neck of the woods. I think most other parts of the city are are experiencing similar things. And we know that distracted driving is up. And um, we've seen statistics even from across the entire country that what we're experiencing in Chicago and even Illinois is not unique. So I'm hearing from folks of all ages that they don't feel as comfortable as they'd like walking and biking around on bigger streets, on smaller streets, and really demands that the city double down and find some some durable solutions. And Courtney, that's really a shame, isn't it, that people don't feel comfortable just walking and biking around where they live? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Half of all car trips in Chicago are under five miles, and I think part of that is due to people not feeling safe hopping on a bike to complete those trips. Tell us a little bit more about your work at uh, Better Streets Chicago. We have been in existence for a little over two years. Most of our work has been online. It's been digital email campaigns, either to the city, the Department of Transportation, or individual aldermen or a couple of aldermen, getting them to take action on road safety. As we mentioned, you wrote a column, Alderman, for the uh, Chicago Sun-Times, yeah, you were talking about your experience trying to improve pedestrian safety on Irving Park Road. Earlier this summer, uh, Peter Paquette was hit and killed while walking in a marked crosswalk on Irving Park. Can you tell us more about what you're hearing from your constituents since then? Yeah, a lot of folks sharing similar experiences in terms of near misses, of, of being involved in crashes, involving cars on all types of streets, and wanting to know what we're doing, not just in the ward, but throughout the city, because... I mean, who thinks about the ward that they're in when they're deciding whether to hop on a bike or what route they're going to take on foot? So as much as my office and I have been investing in protected bike lanes, concrete um, bump outs, pedestrian refuge islands and the like, we also know that this can't just be a patchwork. 
done ward by ward. We need to look all across the city um, in, in ways that reflect how folks actually travel. travel. Mm-hmm. And then we also need to have partners at the state level because streets like Irving Park, that's a state road. So there are certain improvements that we really push aggressively to have happen only to have the State Department of Transportation say no because they have a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to state roads. You're like, you got to be kidding me. Like, Irving Park should not be treated the same way as uh, a downstate or western Illinois highway. Let's jump to the phones. Here is Arvind in River North. Hey, Arvind. Welcome to Reset. Thanks very much. Um, I just wanted to pass on a couple comments. I'm a relatively new cyclist. I live in the River North neighborhood, and I feel subjectively recently I've seen kind of a little bit more aggressiveness on the streets. This is not only aimed at drivers, but kind of everybody out on the streets and a lack of enforcement as well with basic uh, traffic rules. And this has made me a little bit more hesitant to pursue, you know, alternative sources of transportation. Um, So I agree with um, the guest on the show about hopefully finding a systemic solution. Thank you for calling, Arvind. Courtney, what are your thoughts on, on what we just heard? How would you characterize Chicago's approach to road safety as a city? It's ineffective. It's inequitable. As um, Alderman Martin said, this ward-by-ward approach is just not going to cut it. Um, And I find that the city tends to do these improvements in a way where we're asking the public who mostly drives, is it okay with you if we make these improvements? And it's kind of judged on how much pushback they receive, whether or not they will pursue it. And that's just not equitable. We shouldn't be asking people who drive these large machines if the vulnerable people who will be injured or killed, if it's okay with them, if we can make improvements. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about this ward-based approach here, Alderman. What's your experience of the of this approach from the other side of the table? So when we got into office, we wanted we started by doing a survey to see what other wards were doing in terms of how they were spending their one and a half million dollars in menu funds. So your ward-based infrastructure funds, and very few wards were spending anything on bike and pedestrian safety, especially beyond sidewalks, mm-hmm. um, sidewalk replacement. So we've been focused um, on different areas. One, looking at the number of crashes, and then this year especially focused on our school community to make sure that that walk and bike to school is as safe as possible. Um, but even with something like Clark. Street, where we're going to be putting in a concrete protected bike lane during a portion of it, we want to make sure that that's extending as as as, as far as possible because we can't have a situation where for a mile or two folks feel comfortable, they feel safe because of that protection as, as bikers, but then it changes when you get close to a ward boundary. That's just not sustainable, and, and part of what we're working with CDOT and especially other members of city council is what are proactive approaches that we can take that makes sense from a safety standpoint, makes sense from a dollar standpoint. So, for example, if a street's going to get torn up, a bigger street for arterial resurfacing, mm-hmm. we should we should have a plan where the expectation is that there are certain types of bike and pedestrian improvements that are made that's going to make sense from the city's bottom line standpoint. And it's also reflective of the huge safety-related challenges that we continue to hear daily from residents about. Where would you say traffic safety fits in with your other policy priorities as an alderman? 
it's right at the top. I mean, if folks don't feel safe and secure in their community, that's really going to affect how they engage with one another and just their mental health more generally. And so I put this right at the top in terms of, um, in addition to just making sure that uh, constituent services mm-hmm. are provided in an efficient and effective way. You're through trimming your road and abatement and your garbage collection. You're also talking about community violence. You're also talking about affordability. You're talking about sustainability. And then this is right up there, especially right. given the tragedies that we've had to endure recently. Who's most harmed here, Courtney, by by traffic violence in the city of Chicago? According um, to the city's own data from the public health department, it's mostly African-Americans. Sixty percent of all crash-related emergency department visits here in the city, 60 percent of those folks are African-Americans. We don't have a 60 percent African-American population in the city. Where does this racial disparity come from, you think? I'm not really sure. Um, I think every community in Chicago has a number of roads that are built with a car first mentality. So I don't necessarily think there's an overabundance in certain communities. But I will say when I go to the South Side, I immediately recognize that it's designed for driving in mind. There's not a lot of infrastructure for Mm -hmm. biking or walking or public transportation priority either. Yeah. Uh, Also, according to CDOT, this inequity, uh, it's seen most in neighborhoods that have been historically disinvested and have, like you said, less infrastructure. Uh, Alderman, we talked about Peter Paquette earlier. Uh, Many other pedestrians have been hit and killed this summer. You mentioned two-year-old Rafi Cardenas, uh, three-year-old Lily Shambrook, just a couple weeks ago, five-year-old Taha Khan. Talk about the other changes you want to see and, and what changes you want to make yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I think in addition to um, uh, taking that thoughtful approach when it comes to resurfacing, at the end of the day, we need to work backwards from what a real system of bike and pedestrian safety looks like. And for me, that that really involves a bike grid. We need to make sure that we have concrete protected bike lanes um, along stretches that reflect how folks um, do travel up and down and across the city. And, and as Courtney and that caller mentioned, folks who would like to but currently don't feel safe. I'd also like to make sure that every one of our, our local schools has a thoughtful infrastructure approach uh, to ensure that, that travel to and from school makes sense. Um, and I think we also need to make sure that we're looking at how this interacts with buses and, um, and, and rail, um, including, say, contraflow lanes and greenways, so that when you're on your side streets where younger families and individuals typically feel more comfortable biking, mm-hmm. that you have that in place as well. Uh, a listener left us a message here to, to read. Robbie in Hyde Park says she feels bicycle and scooter riders don't follow traffic laws. So it's difficult to drive and it makes her fearful uh, behind the wheel. What are your thoughts on, on that uh, message from Robbie, Courtney, um, from the driver perspective? Yeah, safe bike infrastructure helps drivers. No one wants to seriously injure or kill someone. Most of the time, I've had drivers intentionally try to hit me, but um, protected bike lanes protect you as a driver, and many times the behavior that a driver might see is breaking the rules. The person on the bike is thinking of their life. They're not breaking these rules just for fun. They're doing it with their own safety in mind. Let's jump to a call here from Paul in West Rogers Park. Hey, Paul. Hi. What's your comment? 
Um, I'd like to propose that uh, Waze and Google Maps and those sorts of uh, services don't allow mapping through residential neighborhoods. In other words, taking shortcuts uh, and people cutting through neighborhoods uh, just to avoid a traffic light. That's a that's a good solution there. I, I think I gave up on Waze quite a quite a while ago. It was taking me through people's backyards, and I was like, okay, this is this is a little much. Uh, what else, Courtney, are you watching for then moving forward from elected officials? I would love to see um, the city remove this requirement that in order to get a simple speed hump on your block. You have to get about two-thirds of resident approval. This is an unfair burden, and our streets should be safe by default. Safety shouldn't be something that you have to opt into. Courtney Cobbs is a co-founder of Better Streets Chicago, and Matt Martin is the alderman for Chicago's 47th Ward. Thank you both. It's not always safe to walk or bike on Chicago roads, but Chicago isn't alone. Traffic-related deaths have gone up across Illinois and the country in recent years, and we want to keep talking about potential solutions. We're joined now by Dave Simmons, executive director of Ride Illinois, a nonprofit with a mission of making the state better through biking, and Jim Merrill, managing director of advocacy at Active Transportation Alliance. That's a coalition working to make walking, biking, and public transit safer and more accessible. Dave, as we've been discussing, last week's report from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration shows traffic-related deaths in the first quarter of this year were at a 20-year high. Did that surprise you? Unfortunately, no. You know, being, being a cyclist but also a motorist, right, I, I, I see what what's happening on our streets. Um, so, yeah, you know, as much as I'd like to say things are going in the opposite direction, that, yeah. that's not the reality, right? The pandemic continues like, and, and habits that were put in place during the pandemic seem to be happening on our streets. Unpack that. What do you mean? What's happening on our streets from your view? Yeah, well, I mean, I can I can speak to some preliminary data that was shared um, shortly after the pandemic. Um, well, I don't know if we say it began, but in 2020, where speeds, and this was specifically on, on Chicago roads, were up 10%. Um, I think it was the first time that um, we, you know, we as advocates realized like, hey, people, people are going faster because there's nobody on the road. Um, and it's you know, it, it's a matter of, of physics and science. The faster you go, if you strike something or someone, the, the greater the damage. Mm-hmm. So those are the habits that seem to continue to this day. Yeah. Jim, what's standing out to you here? Yeah, I mean, I think just to echo what Dave said, it's it's really um, disappointing. Uh, and but unfortunately, you know, not surprising. Um, you know, this trend has been going on for a couple of years now. Um, and we're, we're moving in the wrong direction, despite you know a lot of rhetoric and promises and plans uh, with with the goal of eliminating traffic fatalities. The city of Chicago has set you know a goal to eliminate traffic fatalities um, by 2026, mm-hmm. um, and yet we're we're headed in the the opposite direction. So, you know, I mean, and, and you talked about it uh, you with Alderman Martin and with Courtney um, previously. I mean, just we've had a heartbreaking summer in Chicago yeah. um, with with young, young kids and, and young people in particular um, being killed in these preventable crashes. So I'm also, you know, honestly, I'm feeling angry um, because I know that our decision makers, and I'm talking about our state and local elected officials and our state and local transportation agency leaders, that we've really made a choice to prioritize moving cars and trucks as quickly as possible through our streets, including our residential streets. 
um, over the safety of uh, of our, our neighbors and our children. And you know, we have uh, we have the resources, we have the knowledge, um, and I think r right now we need to have the kind of political will to uh, to really address this this public health crisis. Let's jump to the phones now. Here is Sam in Bridgeport. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Um, I just wanted to make an observation. Um, how there used to be streetcars on almost every major road in Chicago and even some of the minor ones, and they were all removed in the 50s and 60s, and that seemed like something that would take cars off the road. That's a good thought, bringing streetcars back. Thank you, Sam. Here's Florence in Arcadia Terrace. Hi, Florence. What's your comment? Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes, uh, I'm an older driver. I'm 70, and I have a lot of... Uh, people my age and older who are avid bike riders. And so this is not driver versus bicycle comment, but what I would like to see, because I feel very nervous when I'm driving and I think of myself as a careful driver, like when I'm going to turn right onto a road and there's a bicycle lane to my right, uh, I feel like I've, I'm always, I'm not always aware of what I'm supposed to do. So my comment is, what if we had more education or driver training or public service announcements, more public awareness campaigns? Because mm -hmm. there's some of us who really want to be safe, but the introduction of more bicycles, which wasn't true when I was younger, um, it, it makes me a little anxious, and I always want to do the right thing. And then secondly, sometimes, and I, again, this is not anti-biker at all, but sometimes bicyclists do they run through stop signs, they run, you know, and when they do unpredictable things, it's like, I don't know what to do. Thank you for your call, Florence. Dave, any thoughts there? Yeah. <laughs> lots, no, lots to, lots to no, respond. I mean, right. Great comments and, yeah. and very, um, you know, astute observations, right? So driver education, um, bringing streetcars back. Yeah. Well, so I'll, I'll speak to the driver's education, right? We have an opportunity now. There's going to be a new secretary of state, um, the current driver's exam, um, and, and don't quote me on the exact numbers, but there's a pool of about 400 questions on the driver's exam, and there are eight to 10 that pertain to bicyclists. Uh, they may also pertain to, to pedestrians or, as we like to call, vulnerable road users, uh, people who are not encased in steel, right? Mm -hmm. So the likelihood of someone, when taking the driver's exam, of seeing a question pertaining to these vulnerable road users I think there is a, a requirement that at least one appears, but you know, eight out of four hundred, you can see how it, you know the the, um, the scales are tipped toward towards driving, right? So how can we get more questions that will educate people? To Florence's point, right, and will kind of open their eyes to hey, there's these other human beings out there that are sharing this space or very close to my space. So that's one yeah. opportunity. Um, another opportunity is is our schools, right? There, there are certain states, Minnesota being one, that is, has had great opportunity or great um, uh, leverage in their schools to share safe biking and walking um, skills and knowledge with students. So, you know, instead of, I, I think PE is kind of where this might naturally fall, but instead of, you know, a, a session on, say, kickball or something, what if there was... Education shared um, to students in schools because it's going to take some time, yeah. unfortunately, right, to change behavior. That's what we're all we're all shooting for is, is behavior change. And so the more we can have 
the education or the PSAs, as Florence mentioned, or conversations, but just making this topic of discussion more like higher in the, in the public spotlight. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a good it's idea. As, as the mom of, you know, two teens who are going to be making their way onto the roads uh, as young drivers at some point, I'm terrified. Right. <laughs> I want to make sure that they have as much information as, as possible. Uh, Jim, our caller, Sam mentioned bringing back streetcars. What's the benefit of looking to other forms of transportation, you think? Yeah, it's so important to be thinking about the issue of traffic safety holistically and really as just like another symptom of this really unhealthy dependence on cars that we have in our in our culture. So I think when we talk about, you know, making streets um, safer for drivers, we also need to be talking about how are we giving people um, alternatives to, to, to driving, especially, you know, I mean, the summer, the way gas prices have been, this is a real kind of kitchen table issue for, for people who are stuck having to drive just to access, you know, work or school or, or fresh food. Yeah. Um, so I think about it as, you know, what are we doing in addition to, to making the streets safer by redesigning them? Also, you know, giving people more options to liberate them from, from car dependency. So the idea of I would love, you know, this, the, the, the call to bring the streetcars back makes this transit nerds heart sing. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, we have the next best thing would be right, a, a network of uh, dedicated busways that can get our buses out of traffic and on schedule and, and running more quickly and reliably. And, and that's like an example of a pretty low cost um, intervention that we could really roll out yeah. um, and, and relatively quickly if we had, again, you know, the, the leadership and the political will to, to make these uh, really accessible ideas um, a reality. But absolutely, giving people more options and getting them out of their cars, yeah. it, it, just, it, it ticks that safety box. Too. I think so, too. Let's see if we can get Damien on from Midway. Hi, Damien. Hello. Hi. What's your comment? I've been driving for Lyft for years, um, and I've seen the change in the streets and how uh, it's affecting, you know, both drivers and uh, uh, bicycle riders. And um, also, there's been a lot more uh, infrastructure for um, pedestrians. But one thing I also want to, uh, you know, point out is that uh, a, a previous caller also mentioned that a lot of the bicyclists don't follow the same rules that the cars do when they're supposed to, and they just cut you off. And I've had multiple, like at least two bicyclists hit my car in anger and yelling. And sometimes you just don't see because they pop out of nowhere, especially with scooters. Uh, and pedestrians don't even look now. Nowadays, when I was growing up, we were always taught to look both ways before you cross the street, and people are just crossing, like, expecting, you know, that they just kind of, like, own the street. And I think they should be more mindful, too. I mean, yeah. not that they shouldn't feel safe, but they should be more aware of their surroundings. Right. I hear you. Thank you, Damien. Appreciate your call. Uh, I think we've got Jacob in Jefferson Park. Hey, Jacob. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, so my comment is just, I love what Chicago is doing with the bike lanes. I've been biking here for the last probably four years, you know, pretty adamantly. I do probably 150 miles a week, and I was interested in hearing, you know, the people feeling unsafe on the roads. Um, I feel perfectly safe on the roads all the time. I bike everywhere. I'm glad to hear but it. I do like what they're doing. Um, thank you. I, I like what they're doing with the bike lanes and the dedicated bike lanes. And one thing that Oak Park did, and they started doing, I think they did it on um, on Elston also, where they put the bike lane on the inside of the parking, and then they put the parking on the outside towards the traffic. Mm -hmm. So it puts the cyclists inside 
I mean, that's that's great. It right? makes you feel safer. Yeah, have, it does because you have people that open the door that don't pay attention to their mirrors. Um, the comment that the guy just made about pedestrians just throwing themselves in front of cars—that's so true. Like I'm a bicyclist and I travel a lot in my car, and there's yeah. always people just throwing themselves out of traffic. Well, thank you for, for sharing that, Jacob. So we've heard from a driver there. We heard from a cyclist. Let's hear from someone who's a driver who also bikes. Here's Sandy in Rogers Park. Hey, Sandy. Hi. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. So, yes, I love to bike in this city. Um, and I found uh, – and I drive. So I found when I went back to work that people were driving a lot faster and were a lot less patient. Most recently, what I found is, say, if you're in a turn lane and you get the green light, uh, the pedestrians also get the green light. And the persons behind you are just laying on the horn for you to move. And you're, you're you know, mm-hmm. as, as you should, waiting for the pedestrians to get out of the way. Um, I would like to throw in one last thing. I traveled to Montreal, and they had dedicated bike lanes where everyone who was not in a car could travel. They were all isolated. They had their own um, lines. And it's just been on my mind ever since I was there. Is that something we could possibly do? It just, it, it stops all traffic while those other modes of transportation are moving. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Sandy. So Dave, again, <laughs> I keep loading you up. Uh, no, but, but I mean, Sandy brings up a, a good point there. What do you think? Yeah, well, and I'd like to go back to, um, I think it was Damien's comment uh, about, you know, bicyclists and pedestrians, right, not necessarily doing what a motorist might expect. Yeah, he was uh, looking at both sides, saying, it's yeah. kind of, we're all at fault here for, for how and, things and, have and gotten worse. Honest, right, none of us were, nece- I'm not saying none of us, many of us were not necessarily taught, we weren't exposed to roadway safety other than look both ways before you cross the road. So that's, I mean, that's, it's an excuse, but it's also the reality, right? Mm-hmm. And we also, I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that, be it infrastructure or traffic laws or anything that has to do with getting around um, small cities, big towns, whatever it might be, right, um, really prioritize the motor vehicles. A lot of times what is done uh, in kind of in the guise of making it I don't say in the guys, but to make it safer or more accessible to bike and walk is really to to make to get those people out of the driver's way, which is good. Don't get me wrong there, but it's it's at the goal is convenience for the motor vehicle, and that applies to traffic laws too. You know, many states have now adopted what was commonly known as the Idaho stop or the safety stop, where there's this subset of rules mm-hmm. that pertain to people who aren't driving. And it, what it does is it makes getting around in other ways a, a little bit more appealing, right? Because if we want to get people out of cars, yeah. we need to make those modes of travel accessible. We have to make them safe. We have to make them convenient. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah legislation, infrastructure, I can go on. So yeah. That's, yeah, well, you know, so. I'm going to summarize here some some calls. I mean, the, the phone lines, anytime I talk about safety on on the roads. I think we all have a lot to say about it. So the phone lines have blown up, but uh, I'm going to summarize some calls that we have waiting here. We've got Dan from Ravenswood, who's, you know, been cycling for nearly 30 years, thinks that uh, the roads are just dangerous for cyclists. Uh, We've got Mike and Rosalind, who's um, saying, you know, when I was a kid, I was taught to ride against the traffic rather than with the traffic. Jim, lots of comments here. 
we've talked about some solutions. Where's the money for these solutions going to come from? And, and what else are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're in, in a bit of a unique moment right now because, uh, you know, on all levels of government, um, you know, from the federal infrastructure package, the state has its own capital plan, the city has a capital plan. There are de- more dedicated resource for resources for addressing these safety issues and redesigning our roadways um, than have been available, um, you know, in uh, probably ever. And so, uh, the, whereas, you know, funding was always kind of the first excuse that would come up when we talked about why can't we do this, that obstacle has yeah. effectively been removed. Um, and so, again, it's it's kind of where, how are we harnessing, um, you know, the tools in our toolbox and actually having a, a holistic uh, plan to a- address traffic safety? I mean, uh, bikes always, you know, take up 90% of the conversation, but I think it's important, you know, yeah. 60% of the, the fatalities in Chicago's roadways last year were people inside of the car. Um, and so when we talk about, you know, addressing speeding, which is really the, the big baddie you hear, um, people driving too fast, it's bad for folks inside and outside the car. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to, to not forget that we're talking about saving drivers' lives uh, as well. Yeah. Um, and all, all this stuff, you know, it comes down to it's, it's so frustrating because it's so personal and people, you know, it's a very like you, you heard it in these callers talking yeah. about you know I'm afraid of hurting someone in my car yeah. and and the the uh, really intense reactions that people who are vulnerable to to cars either walking or biking may have when someone makes a bad choice. That's it for today's reset. This episode was produced by Sarah Stark and mixed by Ethan Schwab. Subscribe for more conversations like this one. We drop a new episode every weekday afternoon, plus Saturday mornings. We'll be back with more tomorrow, but in the meantime, why don't you check out our episode about a recent study looking at how far millennials migrate between childhood and adulthood? We know in particular that, you know, right after you turn 18 in those couple of years and in your early 20s, those are some of the periods where people move the most in their life. And so those are the periods where they choose to spend a lot of the rest of their life. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. See ya. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.